Yeah, I'm actually, first of all, just give yourselves a pat on the back because this is like the eve of midterms and all of y'all are here. I was so shocked. Go ahead, go ahead, do it. No, honestly, I was like, Sam, we got to take the back row out because no one's going to be here. But like, I just, I honestly regret that decision. I think it's just amazing. Um, okay, so I'm really excited to speak to you guys today. Um, what is it? I want us to just go ahead and just turn to Exodus 3. Um, verses 1 through 12. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Can uh, someone help me uh, lift this up? Exodus 3, it's Moses and the burning bush, verses 1 through 12. Are you guys there? I'm going to read in the NIV, um, and please, um, yeah, I'm, it's actually, yeah, it's 12 verses, so please bear with me. I'm going to explain uh, why we're even turning to this passage in the first place, okay? Okay, so I'm going to read, if you can read along with me, uh, verse 1. One day Moses was taking care of the sheep and goats of his father-in-law, Jethro, the, pri- the priest of Midian, and Moses decided to lead them across the desert to Sinai, the holy mountain. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him from a burning bush. Everyone say burning bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it was not burning up. This is strange, he said to himself. I'll go over and see why the bush isn't burning up. When the Lord saw Moses coming near the bush, he called him by name, and Moses answered, Here I am. God replied, Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. The ground where you are standing on is holy. I am the God who was worshipped by ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Moses was afraid to look at God, and so he hid his face. Verse 7, the Lord said, I have seen how my people are suffering as slaves in Egypt, and I have heard them beg for my help because of the way they are being mistreated. I feel sorry for them, and I have come down to rescue them from the Egyptians. I will bring my people out of Egypt into a country where there is good land, rich with milk and honey. And I will give them the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites now live. My people have begged for my help, and I have seen how cruel the Egyptians are to them. Now go to the king. I am sending you to lead my people out of his country. But Moses said, Who am I to go to the king and lead your people out of Egypt? And God replied, I will be with you, and you will know that I am the one who sent you when you worship me on this mountain after you led my people out of Egypt. Ooh, all right. It's already hot in here, and I just read like uh, 12 verses. Okay, so I just want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to ask them this question. What grabs your attention? Go ahead, ask your neighbor. What actually catches your attention? Did you guys get your uh, answers? Go ahead. Someone tell me. What grabs your attention? Shout it out. Food. Jimmy says food. Anything else? Every- <laughs> Thank you, Sam. I'm going to ignore that. Um, Albert, what, what grabs your attention? Nice. Nice sounds. Burning bush. Thank you, Rose. Holy answer. Anyone else? What? 
Pretty things. All right. So the whole point of why I'm even reading this passage to you is because I want to explain that the burning bush, this is what I've heard all the time during like Sunday school, right? If you're a Christian, you grew up reading the word, Moses and the burning bush, it's not like an unfamiliar story, but something, as I was studying this passage, that really stuck out to me was that God was trying to get Moses's attention through the burning bush. Okay, and so as we go along this passage, I'm going to break down. These are not in chronological order, but what happens when God grabs our attention and what actually happens if we pay attention to him? Okay, and so number one, when God gets our attention, he is actually able to speak to us. Therefore, we are able to receive his words. So Moses sees the bush and is burning and he realizes that it's not being consumed it's just being burned right but if Moses had not gone to it he would have never heard the word of the Lord there and so it was only and it says in in, in this passage as Moses was coming near the bush was when God said Moses Moses and that's when he was able to speak to him God wanted Moses's attention and that's why he brought the burning bush if Moses just saw the burning bush, and he was like, wow, that's really awesome. That's so cool and very strange, and just walked past it and didn't do anything to draw near the bush. Everything would have been meaningless. And the same thing happens to us sometimes, don't we? I'm guilty of this too, but we go to Sunday services. We go to Emmaus large groups. We go to our familias, and we're like, dang, that's an amazing word. Wow, I got, I got so blessed. Wow, I didn't know God could do that. God could heal someone, and then we do nothing when we go home. We make no effort to draw near to the word of God. Amen. I'm guilty of this too. If we keep going to more gatherings, more church gatherings, whether it's in New Philly or in Emmaus, Familia, what have you, but we make no effort to draw one step closer to the Lord, then we have completely missed the mark. Are you hearing me today? Whenever you see a burning bush, I think God is so sick of us just being like, okay, that's great, God. That's what you can do. And then just walk past it, right? No, it's actually when we draw near to it where God is able to speak to us. For some of us, God can't even get your attention because you don't even draw near to his presence. All he's doing is waving at you from afar, just sending you burning bushes. But it is when you draw near, when you walk closer to the very thing that God is trying to get your attention, where he is able to speak to you. And after he speaks to you, it's a dialogue. That's when you're able to receive his words and speak back to him. Right, So that's the first thing. Whenever God gets our attention, he is able to speak to us. This sounds so elementary, guys. Of course God can speak to us. But many times we never even set ourselves up in that place for God to speak to us clearly. Yet we still complain about not getting clarity, about not getting this and that. God, why aren't you hearing me out? God, why aren't you speaking to me right now? Well, have you drawn near to his presence? The second thing is, he wants us to take off our sandals. Everyone say, take off your sandals. Turn to your neighbor and say, take your sandals off right now. Obviously, that is just, you know, don't take it literally, right? And so, as Moses was drawing near, God says, Moses, Moses. And then he says, stop, don't come any closer. You actually have to take off your sandals because the ground that you're about to step on is holy ground. God calls us to take off our sandals because the sandals, that little space, whatever that is getting in the way between us and the presence of the Lord, he wants us to take it off and to completely remove 
every single little bit of thing. In fact, the sandals are the very thing that are keeping him from stepping closer into the house of God, into the presence of the Lord. Take off your sandals. Take off everything that hinders you. Take off that distance. Take off that resistance. Whatever that has been getting in the way of you stepping fully into the house of the Lord, take that off because you're on holy ground. God is calling you to take off your sandals because when you take it off, it's an act of humility and acknowledgement, meaning when you take off your sandals and you step into God's house, you are fully saying, God, I take off my shoes. I take off everything that I'm in full control over, everything that I fully believed and everything that I fully thought I was the best at making my own decision, and I'm taking it off, and I'm fully giving you control over my life by stepping into your house. When you take off your sandals, you're revering him, and it's an honor, a respect that he wants. How many of you guys actually um, grew up taking off your shoes when you, uh, yeah, when you when you step into the house? Anyone? Yeah, I think I mean I grew up in America, so I mean I cannot tell you how weird it was. It was so strange when I didn't take off my shoes and I walked into my non-Korean friends' homes. I don't know. Do you guys feel me on that? Like, it's just really weird. Like, I'm, like, going in. We're all going in. And then I just feel so weird, especially on rainy days. And especially, like, I just, and then when I see, yeah, right? It's like that, oh, like that feeling. And I think what makes it worse is, um, like, when I used to see my non-Korean friends, like, they would, like, go, we just chill in their bed. And they would, like, sit on their bed with their shoes on. Did you guys ever have, um, not did you guys ever have friends like that, but did you guys ever see things like that growing up? No? Is it just me? Wait, so in uh, South America, do they take off their shoes whenever... No? Do they, Sophie, take off their shoes whenever you step into a house? Is it just like a Korean, like an Asian thing, I guess? Okay, <laughs> Olivia's like, uh, it's only an Asian thing. <laughs> yeah, okay, just sorry, that was like a, like a sidetrack. I think, I mean, honestly, I think, um, yeah, that was just something that was crossing my mind. I was like, I don't even think that many people understand, like, it's like such a natural thing. You just take off your shoes when you walk into someone's home as a pay of respect. And so, yeah, I think some of you guys, you guys are actually in God's house, but you haven't taken off your sandals yet. And in fact, it's like you've been getting deeper with the Lord. And even as the semester progresses, you've really uh, been experiencing ways to fully be in his presence, yet you still have your shoes on. And it's like, I feel like God is saying, why do you still have your sandals on? And, and what is actually keeping you from fully stepping into my house and into the presence? What's the delay? Well, what, are, what are the things that are, that are actually getting in the way? Is it distractions? Because that's definitely what's been happening to me, especially at night. Or I was telling my crew this, like, at night and in the morning, like, the first thing I do, I used to do was, like, check Facebook or emails, right? I mean, I know I'm not the only one in this room, right, that does that. Facebook and emails. And my excuse was whenever I get on the news feed, like, I start waking up. And I can actually just, like, function, you know, like, after that, right? And it's like, you know, what are the very things that are getting in the way of you fully experiencing God's presence and stepping into it? I think what's so dangerous and the most dangerous place to be is when you have full access to the house of God, yet you're still bored and you want to be entertained. It's like, what more could you even ask for when you are standing before the face of our Father, the Lord Almighty, and you still say, it is not enough. That is such a dangerous place to be, but yet we still live in a world where we need to be entertained and tickled by this and that. We want to be fascinated and that we just want quick, quick, quick things, right? So I want to ask you this, what is keeping you from fully stepping into the house of the Lord? What are those sandals that God is calling you to take off? 
So when God gets your attention, he, you know, like he first, he speaks to you when he notices you're drawing closer. And immediately he says, remove the very thing that gets in the way between me and you. Third thing, he commissions us. Everyone say commission. Okay, commission means to authorize and to send on a mission. Okay, in verse 7, it says that the Lord saw the misery of his people in Egypt, and he wants to go and rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out to land of milk and honey. So he wanted to send Moses to Pharaoh to bring his people out of Egypt. And it was like God telling, like God was explaining all this, this elaborate story of what's been going on. And then he goes, Moses, I want you to do it. I want you to approach Pharaoh, and I want you to be the one to take these people out of Egypt. And Moses, immediately, he is struck with fear, with doubt, with low self-esteem. And he's like, me, God? Is it, like, really? Are you sure you're asking the right person? Is, I mean, is it, is it really me? Why would you even want to send me? Moses didn't have confidence, actually, in what God wanted him to do. And the same goes for us. Whenever God commissions us into areas of our life where he wants to set us free from, the, from our bondages, from a place of Egypt or whatever, immediately, I know that doubt floods our minds. And it's like, God, can you really do it? Or God, can I really do it? For some of you, your mission is to forgive somebody and to forgive someone that clearly doesn't deserve it because they've wronged you over and over again. For others of you, it's laying something down, refraining from something. And, and you ask yourself, when God is asking you, God, I mean, when God is asking you, like, you know, to lay something down or to send you on some kind of mission, immediately it's like, God, can I, can I really do it? Why are you asking me to do this? God, do you know how busy I am that you would ask me to read your word for an hour a day? God, do you even know who I am? Like, do you even know what that person did to me? Do you even know like all the things that I went through and you're still asking me to give more and more of my life to you? It's like the mentality that Moses had. It's like, wait, are you serious, God? Yeah, really. It's like, are you, are you serious? And, and it's kind of like, you know, God, he actually gives us challenges and missions to test our character to show that he can actually do it and he can do it through us. Everyone say commission. He commissions us. Yeah, and if you honestly, if you say that you can't do it, you're ultimately saying that the Lord can't do it. And the fourth point is this, and it's connected to the third point. He commissions us, and then he reminds us of who he is in the process as we do so. So he reminds us of who he is and not who we are. Let's get that straight. Some of us, we talk way too much about ourselves when we come before the Lord, right? I used to do this a lot, and I still do this now. I'm guilty of it. But it's like, oh, I had, like, such an amazing quiet time with God. And my quiet time, like, how amazing that was, it all depended on how amazing I felt after I vented to the Lord, right? Some of you guys feel me on this, right? It's like, God, like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend my time with you. I'm going to turn my phone off. And then I just start going at it. Like, God, this is how I feel. God, this is like what's going on. God, you're asking me to do this. And I feel like I'm not equipped for it. I'm not authorized for it. And I just start going at it, at it, at it. I'm like, wow, God, that was amazing. That was like an amazing quiet time. But then it's, and I literally walk away feeling great. But then I go back to the next, you know, like the next day, it's like the same exact problems, right? It's like, you know, like we got to stop talking about how we're doing and what we feel and start focusing more on who God is and what he can do in our lives. And the thing about this passage is that when Moses 
when God told Moses to uh, go to Pharaoh and free the Israelites out of Egypt, immediately Moses becomes inward focused and he makes it all about him. And when Moses asks God, God, who am I? God, tell me who I am. Who am I? God doesn't even answer the question. He doesn't even pay attention to him. You know what he does? He just says, oh, I'll be with you. I will be with you and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. The point of God's answer was to take Moses' focus off of who he is, but on who God is. To stop paying attention to what Moses can do, but to start paying attention to what God can do through Moses. And so when God, I mean, when Moses was like, you know, God, do you know who I am? I feel like God's like, no, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? If you really knew who God was, you would not feel inadequate at all. If you really knew who God was, and you saw, you didn't even look to your own ability and what you were able to do, but you looked to God's ability and what he could do, then you would not have a single ounce of low self-esteem or insecurity in the missions that he sends you off to. Yeah, God is like, do you even know who I am? Whenever we have tasks that seem too big for us, or whenever we get so overwhelmed over the circumstances in our lives, we shouldn't be asking, who am I to do this? But should be asking, who is God that he has called me to do this? Right? He only lost self-esteem because he looked to himself, and he looked to his own ability. But we need to start paying attention to God, and start looking more to his ability and what he can do. If God said to do it, then he will do it. If God called you to Korea and he told you to come just for one semester, then there must be something in this semester that God wants to do, right? You thought you, you bought the plane ticket, but it was God's itinerary and his agenda. And it was his purpose. It was him setting you up for this semester. Even if you're a four-year student, if God told you to come to Korea University for four years, there must be a reason. There must be a reason for what God has intended for, right? If God tells you to forgive someone, if God tells you to have a hard conversation with someone, then there must be some kind of breakthrough in that conversation that God is calling you to have. If God is calling you to reach out to somebody, if God is calling you to lay something down, perhaps it's because God has something so much better than what we have ever even thought of for our own lives. You know, we hear things like this all the time, but it still doesn't get to our heads, right? If God says that he can do it, then God will do it. I want to let that truth sink in. If God says that he will do it, if God commands you, if God commissions you, if God authorizes you to do something, then it is God that can do it. We look way too much at our own ability to do things, but we don't even look a second up at God and what he can do in our lives. He knows exactly what he's doing. If Moses had never drawn near to the burning bush and given it his attention, then he would have never been able to have a conversation with God. He would have never been, you know, like convicted to take off his sandals and to really get closer into the presence of the Lord. He would have never been commissioned to do things he never thought he could do. And he never would find out more facets and more characteristics of Lord our Father. Right? Some of you have burning bushes in your lives but you're walking way past them all the time. In fact, some of you guys have burning bushes in your lives, actually burning bushes since March, and he's been trying to catch your attention on various things of your life, but you have been walking right past it, not giving a single light of day, not even a single second of what the Lord can do in your life. Why is that? Did you ever ask yourself that? 
Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. When God is trying to catch your attention and he's sending burning bushes here and there, yet you still ignore him. And for some of you, it's because you fear that what you have and what God has, what you have is so much greater than what God could ever give you. For others of you, you just need a push. You need someone to just tell you, hey, uh, just go to God, uh, step into his presence, take off your sandals. Some of you just need that kind of instruction. Right? They're like, they're burning bushes in your lives. And I really felt as I was preparing this message that God was saying to just wake up. We need to wake up and pay attention. I know it's midterms week and this is a time where our spiritual lives dip and that we take a break from familias and church because we want to replace it with more study time. But I really feel like God is saying that there are burning bushes that we need to draw near to and that there are things that God wants us to pay specific attention to at this very hour. Okay? And this semester. So God has been wanting us, uh, wanting our attention, and he wants us to draw near to his presence so that he can start telling us who he is in our lives. Amen? You know, I was so convicted by this because when I was reading uh, this chapter, chapter 3, okay, I just shared this with my key crew last weekend, but a burning bush that has been burning since, like, honestly, it should have, I should have answered it a while ago, but I, I told everyone, I think even, I don't know, I told everyone, like, when the new year starts in 2016, I'm not going to, um, you know, make any resolutions. I'm usually, I love to-do lists. That's just my character. I love checking it off, and I love, like, you know, knowing exactly what I'm going to be doing for the year, but I purposely didn't make a to-do list, and the only two things I wanted was to be a woman of prayer and of the word, right? Prayer and the word, prayer and the word, right? How easy is that, right? And and I really, I cannot tell you the amount of this hypocrite feeling that I had when I would come up here every Tuesday or like even Sabbath, like uh, during the winter break, and everyone that I met on campus say, I'm sorry if I, ta- I told you to read the word because I didn't read it, surely, like when I got home and all those things, right? Like there's just so many, the burning bush that I had was that just to follow this and just follow through. And it was so hard for me. I would pass it all the time. You don't know how many times I came home early enough, like how I always wanted. I skipped dinner appointments. I came home early and I just chose to watch TV instead. Or I was on Facebook or, you know, I just slept or whatever, right? And finally, like, I'm okay, this is like really fresh and I'm being very vulnerable here. But like even like like a week ago, <laughs> I came near to the bush, pulled a Moses. I went near the bush and I finally responded and I cannot tell you how sanctifying the work of the Lord has been in me. Like, if I told you the, how many, man, I didn't even know I had that many sandals to take off. I thought I was great. I didn't even know that, you know, I, I could have sworn I was in the presence of the Lord, but surely, surely I was nowhere near where I thought I was. And it's been so humbling and it's been so good and very sanctifying to realize the ugly and the things inside of me. And the things that, man, when he was telling me to let down certain things and to start new habits and, you know, to break off old ones, I was kind of, I was like Moses. I was like, God, can I really do this? Can I really function like this? Or, God, do you even know who I am? Do you know that's so hard for me, right? To, like, follow through with this or to set this discipline pattern or whatever. And all I hear God saying is, do you know who I am? So every time when I would start to talk to God in my own private you know, quiet times, and start talking about myself, God would cut me off and be like, no, 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 I know you feel insecure in this area, and I know you feel fear and anxiety in this area, but instead of talking more about yourself, which I already know, 
I want you to start talking about me and telling me, talk back to me and tell me how great I am in that situation. If you feel fear and anxiety, then declare that I'm the God of peace. If you have trouble in your sleep, declare that I'm the Lord over the night. If you have trouble following through, then believe that I can make you steadfast and I can give you supernatural abilities that you could have never even asked for for anyone else. I cannot even tell you how it's been changing my thought pattern and my lifestyle and everything about it. Like, it's literally, it's been one week, but it's been changing my life. And after, like, you know, like, and so, and I actually, like, made time to, uh, man, my sandals, one of them was to, to two hours before I go to sleep, don't even touch media. Like, don't touch Facebook, don't touch, you know, whatever, like, YouTube or, like, TV and things like that. And that in itself has been changing my life. Like, I go to sleep less anxious than I ever have been before. Even waking up in the morning, uh, first thing, like, just that feeling of peace that I've been feeling, of being disconnected from the world over cacaos, over, you know, emails that I have to respond to, just for those two hours when I wake up, it has been so liberating. And my time with the Lord has been so sweet because I've been setting it with Him. And as I was preparing for this, I was telling God, God, this is amazing and this feels great. I really want this for KU. I want this for Emmaus at KU. I want my students to be set on fire for you. I want my crew and my student leaders to be set on fire for you. And there was like this tension of, God, this is what I want for this campus. It's only midpoint of the semester, but God, I don't care. But God, I want this, and I want students to be hungry for you. Forget everything else that I've been telling them on campus days or whatever, but God, only you can change them. God, only you can set their hearts on fire. Hungry. I've been so hungry to see every single student here and the ones who couldn't make it be on fire for the Lord and for his presence. And I want to ask you this today. Have you been hungry? Have you actually been drawing near when God has been trying to get your attention? I want everyone to bow their heads right now. If I could have Pastor Mark come up. Yeah, I want us to seek after the Lord today. You know, I, I preach short on purpose because I actually want more time for us to get ministered by the Holy Spirit and His presence. And again, like this is, this is my desire. This is my desire that I've been telling the Lord. God, I want my students to be set on fire for you at the most ironic time, at the time where they're so like, you know, engulfed in their midterms or like I have to study this or do that. At this kind of time, at the, the lowest dip of the semester that we all prepare ourselves for, this is the most important point, important part of your life where you need to be set on fire so that you're even more equipped to go on for the rest of the semester. Yeah, some of you definitely have been ignoring burning bushes. I really, I really feel this. I feel like God is saying, stop wasting time. Stop playing around. Stop beating around the bush. Literally, stop beating around the bush. But let's, let's really, let's really open up our hearts and really respond to the Lord today. Are you hungry for Him? Are you going to answer Him when He wants more of you? Where are you in the house of the Lord? Are you even in the house? And if you are in the house, are your sandals off or are they still on? Go ahead, and this is your time with God. First, I want us to do this. I want us to, to really just be honest and be like, God, I know that burning bush, and you name it, whatever the burning bush has been. God, I know what it's been, 
I, I know what exactly it is that you're calling me to pay attention to. And then I want you to ask for God's grace and be like, God, I can't do it by myself. I have to do it with you.